Welcome to the No Shot Clock Podcast. You're listening to episode number 45 of the No Shot Clock Podcast, a podcast devoted specifically to high school basketball in the Chicago area and and around the state. I'm Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times is with me as always. And Mike, you've put away the football notebook and uh, you're locked in on basketball going forward. I am. Right now I'm a little bit um, loopy, so <laughs> it might be an interesting podcast. It was a long weekend um, of bad state football and then an interesting day. A lot of close games. Oh, gosh, it's such a joke. Uh, just a, if you if For anybody who thinks the uh, – it's a little segue here that the basketball state tournament is ruined, <laughs> you should hang out and watch eight classes of crud of uh, high school football. That's just a disastrous way to end a sport. But anyway, um, so yeah, wild weekend. But we got a lot here for you. I'm going to take you through it a little bit so you know what to expect. We're going to start out with some questions from the listeners. Got a few, not not a whole lot this time, but enough to get us kind of started on that for the season. We haven't done it yet. Then Joe and I are going to each do our two takes, which is a fairly regular segment of the podcast. Then we're going to hit the Thanksgiving leftovers. We're going to go through each of the big tournaments, kind of give our thoughts on those. And then we're going to wrap up previewing this upcoming week, big weekend with the Chicago elite classic, maybe a couple other games in there, but uh, let's get to it um, with these questions. First up, I'm going to butcher this last name, but it's a first time question asker. And that's always cool. This is George Ohansian. He says, how do you think St. Patrick High School will play this year with the key addition of Elton Thompson and the strong returning players in Thomas, Nelson, Merritt, and Pinson? Um, Before we get into it, I got to say, for a school that hasn't had a ton of success recently, St. Pat's sure has a lot of fans that I hear from. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Good and bad. I mean, good and bad, like, they'll hit you when you you talk uh, not enough about them or, you know... I was kind of ripped for where I had him in my top 65. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you're right, Mike. And, uh, you know, they, they are off to, I think, a three and one start. I, you know, I was a little surprised they lost to what right now is a surprising four and O de la Salle. Uh, but, but, you know, the question asker has pointed out some talented kids that, you know, I, I don't think they are going to, win the East Suburban Catholic, but I think they are going to really be a thorn in the side of the upper echelon teams. And they could even force themselves, you know, into those top two or three spots uh, with a perfect season. I I like that team. I I think they're going to be better than people, you know, the outside thinks they're going to be and very, very competitive in the East Suburban Catholic. Yeah. um, I agree. It was, I think they lost by like 11 too to De La Salle. Right. Um, I, I, there's, it's possible I'll see them this weekend, depending on how much energy I have. If I head over the Ridgewood shootout on Sunday after the Elite Classic, I'm almost positive they're playing in that. Um, they do most years. So I'll have more to say about St. Pat's after I get a look at them. But yeah, definitely, I mean, there's a number of names there that we know, so, that, so the pieces are in place to have a nice season for Pat's, which would be fun. That's one, definitely one of the best gyms in the area. It was good to get over there. Uh, next question. Um... From Mike Cormany out of Aurora. And this uh, subject is something, man, I feel like we've had this question a lot. Hey, Mike, any idea what's up with Verge? <laughs> I heard he's not even starting. That's crazy. How can Thornton so highly stay so highly ranked 
losing two of their first three. Um, I'll, I guess, address that. I know that Verge didn't start the first game. I heard that. I haven't heard about the last two, and this question came in literally 55 minutes ago, so I did not have a chance to kind of hit up Ty Street and see what he had to say. But I know Verge did score 30 in the second game, so it's possible he's just not starting and coming in. We see that a lot. Um, as far as the losses, obviously not good to start out one and two, but Thornton kind of has this tradition of going to Decatur and losing. Um, even a lot of times when they've been really good and they sort of know that and accept it, it's weird. Um, you know, they didn't last year. They started out, you know, really well, but I'm not super concerned. Neither. It wasn't a, the Southeast score wasn't good. Springfield Southeast. I remember the Decatur Eisenhower was close and they just throttled Bremen. So I'm not too worried yet. You know, it's a new team. I kept him in there. You know, I didn't have to, I could have dropped him. You know, I dropped him way down, but I kept him in the rankings cause you know, I'm a little worried. Around. I'm a little yeah. worried just because I just, I mean, for them to reach the point where you had them ranked and even I had them ranked, I mean, Verge is going to have to be, and that's what I think both of us are counting on, Verge being the guy we saw two years ago at the very least. And that's what he's, I mean, that's the only way Thornton is going to reach those heights because they just lost too much from last year. But when you add a player of that star quality and a prospect like Orlando Allen, I mean, you you do expect them to. But again, you're you're right. I mean, it. it I'm gonna get to my two takes. It kind of explains that a little bit, a little bit. But um, I'm a little worried. Yeah, I saw they sent me the box score from the win. It's funny how sometimes you hear from schools all the time. Sometimes you only hear from schools when they win. <laughs> and apparently this Thornton crew, I'm only going to get their stuff when they win. So I don't know what happened statistically in other games, but there were some names, some juniors, it looks like, played really well, um, at least in the second game. So I think they'll be all right. Uh, we shall see. Next question from Mike Chamernick. This is a, an interesting one. It's a little long. Not, I guess it's not super long. Let's get into it. Um, I got a question for the podcast. Suppose Curie, your number one team, is playing Mundelein who went 2-29 and last year in a playoff game. What's the fairest, simplest, and most entertaining handicap to ensure a competitive game? Options include, but are definitely not limited to, lowering or raising rims, allowing, no. <laughs> allowing more or fewer players in the court. No. Changing a basket's point value. I like it. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, minute limits, minutes limits for Curie's best players. Altering, mm. <laughs> altering the way the refs call the game. No. And spotting Mundelein a substantial lead. Yes. Ooh, what would your plan be? Ideally, you'd want the game to be tied in the closing minutes. I give Mundelein a 12 to nothing start to start the game. No, they get, they get yeah, 12 nothing start. And for a, a three-pointer is four and a two-pointer is three. Um, it's funny because I don't think my answer to the question, I guess, is you don't need to change any rules or do anything. And it's kind of funny because Mundelein's a school that used to do this. They would kind of play close games against everybody by just playing no defense. (laughs) Yeah. And score 92 points. Yeah. And it would kind of often be competitive. It worked the other way. We've seen coaches do this. I mean, coaches sit down and think about this all the time. Super slow it down. To the point where maybe... So you think there's a possibility that Curie plays Mundelein this year and you wouldn't have to make any rule changes and it would be tied as the guy, that's a question asked, going into the end of the 
final few minutes? Yeah, all I need is Gene Heidkamp to be their coach. <laughs> and it'll mm. be set. I don't need to change any rules. <laughs> <laughs> He'll figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to do any of that. <laughs> I mean, if we want to lower the... They should maybe lower the rooms for girls basketball. That would be fun. Um, make it a little bit more yeah. enjoyable. But anyway, yeah. Wild thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you play fast. You play slow. I, I'm not really into... Creative, creative question. I'll give them that. Yeah, I guess the other thing I'll mention... I, I can never... I think I might have told this story in the podcast. I remember... If any listener remembers... I think it was John Shire's senior year at Glenbrook North. And I want to say it was Wheeling or somebody. They played in the first round and... You know, they'd been beaten by John Shire for years. They'd probably lost to him twice that year. And I remember they decided, we, we're, we've lost to him many times. We're going to try something different. And they had three guys guard John Shire the entire game. They decided they weren't getting beat by John Shire. And I believe they only lost by six or something. It almost sort of worked because Shire was not able to put up his usual 30 or 40. So I guess that's another... Um, According thing. to my score, what's the, what's the Mundelein... Curie spread if they had one. Oh boy, that's interesting because I just saw Curie whoop St. Mel. I'd say forty. Well, hold on, okay, because I was going to give you the score of the Fremd Mundelang game. Yeah, seventy-five to thirty. Boy, yeah. I mean, I mean, Providence St. Mel isn't a bad team, and Curie beat them by forty. Warren beat them by sixty. Let's not pick on Mundelang. It's November. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, re- the rebuilding job in Mundelang. They do have um, a lot of returning players back and a lot of young young kids, so we'll give them that. All right. Um, we have one more question. I need to – it was sent actually quite a long time ago, so give me one second here. Um, my filing system is failing me. Here we go. All right. Question about the Chicago Elite Class. Oh, this is Rennell Chapman, long time podcast uh listener he wanted to know what the times are for the elite classic those are on the website now you can just uh, click on this week's basketball schedule i will update that every sunday it's very early at the worst it'll be monday morning but i will get that up it's up there now you can check it out the week schedule is up there second question is i've heard former nba champion chicago bulls player craig hodges is now the head coach at rich east he hasn't heard much he's wondering if um long story short if he can kind of bring Rich East back, a little infusion of energy like Ty Streets did. I saw Rich East, actually, on my Tuesday, which was messed up by Fenwick, so I had to head over to the closest game I could, which happened to be the RV tournament, and a little rough over at Rich East. Um, Was that the Oak Park game? Yeah, Oak Park. That thing was just wild up and down, and Oak Park just ran them ragged. I will say that they did come back, and they played RB really tough in a I think it was a three or four point game yeah, and they, a loss. They were down. I heard twenty in the fourth quarter when the fourth quarter started and came back. So yeah, uh, and then they beat Rich Central uh, by one, I think, in in the last game. So oh, I didn't see that. Well, that yeah, Rich Central's all right. So I think it was seventy six, seventy five. I believe the final was. So I mean, those are. I mean, that's a good start for Richie's. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, that's interesting. So wow, kind of makes me feel better about putting Oak Park in the rankings if they made him look that bad. Um, and the third question is, um, wants to know where Mil- Milton Wordlow from Hales wound up since, you know, Hales is no longer. And the answer is out of state. Prep school, prep school. Arizona. Yeah. That I forget. So, um, he tweets at me every now and then about what he does, but I'm, I can't say I pay a lot of attention. 
since he's gone. Out of state, out of mind. Once it's, they leave, it's leave of, the state. <laughs> once they graduate, I also just lose all. <laughs> Got to make room for the new. And speaking of the new, um, let's do our two takes. Um, I'll start it up since uh, that, I, that was my transition that I tried to uh, do. Um, he's not super new, but I, I can't stop thinking about him after seeing him this weekend. Um, Providence St. Mel's Tayon Neal. You do uh, like the big fella, man. I, I do. He's got. I mean, no, I like him. I and mean, this I, is, and that's what I need to. Add. That's why I'm here. I'm going to ask you. It's not so much my take as my question. How good can he be? Well, he's just your typical big man project, and I emphasize the big because he is so big. I mean, he's huge, and those guys are coveted. I don't know, long time basketball followers. A name I'm going to throw out there. He was out from in the Quad Cities. His name was A.C. Earl. He went, I believe, ended up going to Iowa, 6'10", 6'11". He could evolve and become that guy, but he's still a long way away. But every college coach, including the evaluators like myself, that go and watch him are so intrigued because of his, his body is getting a little better. Uh, his hands aren't bad. You know, he's, he's got tools to work with. So, yeah, I mean, he's one of my top ten prospects in the class. Now, he's not going to be, as you'll see over the course of the year, and I don't know what numbers he put up on Sunday, but I don't think he's going to be this guy who puts up massive numbers, especially at this juncture. But he's just a guy who's going to be continually tracked because of that upside with that size. And, you know, he showed flashes last year, but he's still really raw. There's no question he's gonna he's got a long way to go, but he is ultra intriguing to me, and you know he, he's a top ten prospect right now in my mind. I mean, he did some things. He's definitely improved since last year, a hundred percent. Seems a lot less. He lost to me a lot of the about two thirds of the rawness. He didn't do anything ugly on yesterday on Sunday, and at one point he's dribbling the ball at half court, and he dribbled it behind his back naturally. I don't know that I've ever seen a six foot ten <laughs> sophomore do that. It was like nothing. Like he must just do that. I mean, it was really impressive. Just like was, one he, of those... was he leading the break? Was he just bringing up the floor? Or what? Yeah, he was bringing it up the floor, and he just dribbled behind his back naturally. And then I'm thinking, you know, okay, he's fast. He is very fast, light on his feet for his size. I mean, he just exploded through the lane a few times for tips, came out of nowhere. I mean, that's one area is a lot better than a year ago. Last year, you know, it, it, I think his body's better. He's, he's like you said, lighter on his feet. And, and again, he, I think he's probably legit 6'10". Wouldn't you say he's legit 6'10"? He's at least 6'9". I'm not sure about the 6'10". I'm I'm sure we'll see. I'm. A, I think I'm going to go see him again tomorrow. Uh, they're they're playing. It, it, it's actually a really bad Tuesday. Um, but it's Providence St. Mel's playing at St. Rita. I'd like to see some of the St. Rita kids. And yeah, I want to see him again. I, I'm starting to. I feel like if he was at a major public league power, this kid would be getting a ton of hype. I mean, Cliff did nothing as a freshman, but he was getting right. the hype. Now I looked. I'm so interested in this. I went back and looked as best as I could at Cliff's sophomore year. And he was already putting up a lot better numbers than Neil is by Pontiac. So he's definitely not, you know, up to there. But I think he's very comparable to Mike Dunnigan at, at this point. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe two years from now, this kid isn't going to be an absolute monster. Oh, there's no... I mean, that's that, that shouldn't be a surprise if it happens. I, I really... I mean, I just... It is, it is a tricky part 
with the evaluation process of the, these big men just come along usually so much slower and down the road yeah. than your guards and what we're used to seeing with you know perimeter guys and but these are also the guys that are so impossible to find and I just know from open gyms this fall and talking with college coaches the intrigue is they just it was the kind of the same comments that they would come each coach would come out of there man joe that kid's got yeah. a chance i mean he's got and, and and that's what it is right now and i don't know the makeup of him i don't know anything about that he works hard puts time i don't know any of that but uh he has a ton of tools to work with and that size and agility to go with it that is so hard to find yeah it's going to be very interesting to see i'm, I'm really intrigued um Anyway, we're a little long on that, but uh, <laughs> your your, now, your take. One, one of my two say, if I re rewound the podcast from a year ago, right now, it might be the exact same take, but it is the do not get too excited or too down about Thanksgiving. I have heard from different people and fans and just basketball people that would be texting me or in conversation like, "This seems terrible," or "That seems." <laughs> No, this is literally, I know a lot of teams practice before the official date, but this is exhibition preseason. It's, it really is. And they are working out the kinks. They are, are the rust. Uh, even my friend, Michael Bryan, uh, I think we were Monday night into four minutes into the first game you were covering, Mike. I got a text from you. Probably. Do you remember that text? I don't. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What was the you first were taken game? in the Evanston game? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think they were down seventeen to four. Yeah, they uh, were and, getting crushed. And yeah. my guy Mike's freaking out already. <laughs> but no, I just, I, I just think that I'm not a big Thanksgiving. I, I love Thanksgiving tournaments because it's the beginning of the season and you get to see actual games instead of us sitting there debating and talking about it. But the the, the typically the play is not real good and the results can not be indicative of what we're going to see the rest of the year. So just relax over Thanksgiving um, results at least my, yeah, you know, that's what I, I try to do that. I agree by the way, with pretty much everything Joe said. However, I have to deal with it a bit more because I have to do the rankings. And so yeah. some teams, you know, I did keep some in that Hill, Hillcrest and Thornton, you know, lost twice. They were high. Joe's lost, you know, to unranked St. Charles. These, I kept them in. I just bumped them down. I did totally rid myself of some teams just out of, you know, whatever. So, yeah, there there are some reactions there, but I do try to mute it as much as possible since it is early. Well, it's a big difference, high school basketball rankings preseason versus college because college, you really know what you have in college more so than high school for starters. And then, two, after the first week, everybody's playing these three, four, sometimes five games. And they're going to lose. And college, so many of those teams get off to the 5-0, and 4. It's like a instant feedback that you have to do, actually, for the rankings that uh, I think would be challenging, difficult after Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it is. Um, my next take, I'm going to try to do this quickly because I guess I have a lot here, but three teams I wanted to mention that we probably have never spoken about on the podcast that got off to nice starts that I just wanted to hit the first is a real eye opener. I think someone we maybe neglected last year. Hope Academy. Um, they're just two and two, but they played big schools. They they lost to Westinghouse by four. 
they beat Morton, and they lost to Fenwick by just three. That was before Jacob Keller was back. But still, this is a 1A team. And last year they were 20-8, and eight, got to the sectional final, and lost to Leo, who almost won the state championship. Um, you know, they were the runners-up. So this is a real 1A powerhouse in the city that really no one's talking about. They got a 6'6 star in Jordan Doss. Javion May and Javon McClendon are the two other starters back from that team. And I think they proved this week that they are a real team that we need to start paying attention to and I need to get out and see. Uh, next up, Schurz uh, in the White North. They went 4-1. and one. They beat King and, Oswig- and um, West Chicago with Ty Bibbs, which is the real eye-opener. They also lost to Elgin, so this isn't going to be a team hitting the Super 25 anytime, but this is a team that could win the White North, I think, and get up to the red. Um, the guy to watch with them is a 6'4 junior, Jaland Mitchell. And finally, Urban Prep Englewood, who I think we might have spoken about before. They went to the um, the Washington tournament. I think they played in the other bracket. Uh, they went 4-0 and um, against three, three teams from out of the state, and... Fred Cleveland, the tiny sophomore, I think we've mentioned before, he won the MVP for that whole side of the bracket. Um, so they are definitely somebody to watch out for. They'll, they're the favorites in the White South, I think. Interested to see what those schedules are like for those teams. I, I mean, I have no idea what their non-conference schedules. I know I saw, I think I saw Urban Prep Inglewood at Hinsdale Central Christmas time last year, I believe. But I, yeah, I'd be interested to see how those schedules are. Um, as far as an opportunity to get out and see them, the, my other take is a individual player and I actually just wrote about it. So it is up on the sometimes website, but Carlos Hines of North Lawndale. And every year we have these kids that break out and, uh, you know, last year it was a, this tiny Leroy kid, Matt Chastain, who went nuts in February and March and gathered 10, 15 offers and, went from a nobody to this player with 10 or 15 offers in a matter of weeks. Carlos Hines at North Lawn, that's a 6-2-6-3 combo guard. Had a real nice season last year, actually. Averaged 13-14 a game as a junior. And he was the MVP of the a very impressive North Lawndale run uh, to win the Thanksgiving tournament. But he's a kid with only two scholarship offers right now, Winthrop and Chicago State. So I just think if you looked at the – grand scheme of things in the class of 2017 what player is going to garner the most college interest going forward that has very little right now is going to be this guy carlos Hines. so he's off to a spectacular start averaging 21 and and, and seven and um i, I just think he, he's climbed into the top 15 prospect he was you know been a division one bubble guy but he's no longer a bubble guy Mike, I think he is going to be a pretty coveted mid-major prospect at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can see that clearly. I think the other guy that's going to compete with him for that is Jacob Keller, especially if he decides he wants to play basketball. Um, right. I think the only difference is, is people know the him. Keller thing yeah. I can't figure out because yeah. people are well aware of Keller. They've seen him play. They College coaches are hung up on what position he is. Does he shoot it well enough? All that where he's clearly good enough to have more than the Vermont and Siena, yeah, you know, wow. interest that he had. <laughs> yeah. There's no question. And that, you know, to me is a little bit different. No one saw Hines. It's, you know, he played for the Illinois Iceman, the lower profile AAU team. Nobody got to see North Lawndale much last year. I think just from, well, even since I had put out that story earlier today, uh, yesterday, 
you know, the, the amount of phone calls I've even taken from college coaches since then even, his interest is going to pick up big time. Yeah, North Lawndale, I don't know why they don't have more of a reputation, but those a lot of those kids qualify. You know, oh, Carlos is a terrific student, yeah. 4.0 GPA. Uh, you know, Coach Thorpe speaks incredibly highly of him, you know, character as a kid. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, you know, they don't play a, a schedule that they're not in a whole lot of profile events. I would anticipate plenty of coaches coming in specifically on Saturday. I know Saturday's a big college basketball day, but I think there's going to be a lot of coaches coming in to watch Carlos Hines play against Juliet West this Saturday. Yeah, a bit terrified of that one. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's hit these Thanksgiving leftovers. Um, we're going to run down each turn, each of the big ones here. So let's start out with St. Charles East. Um, I did not get out to a lot of these, by the way. I'll just say right away because I was stuck with football. I, I only hit St. Charles East. Viator and RB, which I don't even think we're going to talk about, but um, just looking at results for me, I'm sure you probably stopped by there. Um, Downers Grove South, disappointing start. Um, again, you know, they were taken out of the rankings this week. Sounds like they need a point guard. Um, we saw St. Charles East and St. Charles North each pull off big wins, and they played another great game against one another with St. Charles East winning at the buzzer. I think we could safe to say that, that those two are back, and that's going to be a fun year out there. And finally, my last thought on it, maybe St. Joe's isn't quite as ready as I thought they were. Maybe they're going to be a bit of a work in progress throughout the year. I'm not too worried about them, but they're, they're maybe not a top 10 team yet. Yeah, I was out there. I, I saw St. Joe or St. Joe's fall to St. Charles East. I was at that game. Downer South is my one preseason top 25 team that I probably came away with worried about the most. But... We've talked a lot about this, Mike, the, the the fun that the Upstate 8 River Conference has had over the years with Geneva and St. Charles East and St. Charles North. And this St. Charles East team, I thought was a, you know, next year they were going to be a top 25 team. They they aren't the prettiest group of basketball playing players, but, man, they get a lot done. And uh, Pat Woods has them playing well early on, and they, they played with confidence they shoot the ball extremely well, and Justin Hardy was a stat-stuffing monster for St. Charles East. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, St. Charles North. I mean, they're they're a buzzer-beating loss away from being four and zero themselves. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see those two teams in Geneva uh, and a Larkin, you know, battle it out in that league. Um, but yeah, I, I came away with just, uh, you know. St. Charles East was just much better than I, and I saw them a lot this summer, but they were just playing at a high level for this early in the year. Yeah, I saw Pat Woods um, late in the football season when I covered them, and he thought it might be his best shooting team, which was a crazy thing to kind of hear after seeing how you know some of his teams in the last couple of years have shot. So, yeah, very interesting. And also with the St. Charles North, I mean, a loaded Pontiac, just with what we saw this week, it looks even better. St. Charles North, Lockport, West Aurora, and Bloom all had really good opening weeks, and that's clearly the second tier, right? You know, of Pontiac schools. That's really going to be quite a tournament. Um, let's move yeah, it on. Speak, uh, speaking of Bloom, the Bloom Marion, yeah, you know, that, that tournament we both made it down there. Uh, probably provide well, not probably did provide the the best game, which we both watched, and that was. The six overtime marathon. That's the one thing I took away from that is just, you know, 
you've mentioned it a number of times how much fun that game has become and that game is being HF and um, Marian Catholic. And it was a six overtime marathon. And, you know, it wasn't always the prettiest game, particularly in the second half. Yeah. But boy, the drama, the the intensity, the crowd, all of that. Uh, my, I, I came away with that game as well as the revival of the South suburbs, man. I, from Bloom to Marion Catholic to HF to Hillcrest, it's going to be fun down the South suburbs, and including some real sleeper players like the Jalen Lees of the world, who's at Bloom, a six-three wing, and Jeffrey Boyd, who I've talked about as one of the real underrated players. He's from HF. He played well in that game that knocked off Marion Catholic. Uh, so I mean, I just. I just came away thinking this is going to be a fun winter in the South Suburbs. Yeah, no doubt. I think it was funny. Before the Marion HF game, somebody asked me what my spread was, and I said HF by one and a half, which the person looked at me like I was ridiculous because obviously I have Marion Catholic ranked much higher. But HF always starts out better than most teams. I mean, maybe I think that's probably some credit it needs to go to Mark Condotti. And you know, usually the football team is a long run, which influences them. But they always, to me, seem a little bit ahead of everybody else at, at Thanksgiving. So I was, if I was going to bet, I like going with them early, and they did pull it out. Marion Catholic. I know we don't want to make huge judgments on anybody, but I did watch an awful long time of Marion Catholic basketball. I'm I'm worried they don't have a consistent scorer. You know, when Sean Taylor shoots well. Obviously, he's the guy, and he was lights out in the first half. Came back, hit some big threes later, too. But nobody else I, right now really is a consistent scoring threat. That's going to be a problem for them. Um, the other thing to take away, I think, from this tournament is I think everybody underestimated just how much Austin Ritchie was going to elevate Bloom right away this year. I mean, he he's a force. A lot of times he was Marion's best player last year. He's at Bloom now, and he's obviously put them right into the top 20 and I didn't see Bloom play but from what I hear that their freshman point guard Donovan Newby heard an awful lot of good things about him I'm really excited to see him at Pontiac and that's definitely a name I think we'll be talking about for the next couple of years yeah Bloom's got some really good young talent uh hey Ben it's 4-0 yeah that's my uh, for Loyola Nutrier it's, that's where we're headed next I have one line on my uh pad here and it is Bennett is who we thought. <laughs> well, and you're talking about, you know, they got a late, I mean, they had the state semifinal football run. Yeah. And while their key guy, like their main, main guys are all basketball players, he's Coach Heidkamp. I had talked to him right at that time, was, you know, just not having full practices and there was no physicality in the practices and the competitiveness, you know, all that was missing because he was missing some of those football guys. So he had like a week to prepare, not even, you know, to prepare for that without those guys. And to see this team go and, you know, the the tournament's not loaded, but it's still a solid tournament. It's not great. Uh, But, you know, they had a little bit of a, what was like 30 to 28 in the opener or something. But after that, I mean, they beat a good Loyola Academy team, 55-44. You know, Bennett Academy, like you said, they they just – it's like a, it's a machine. Yeah, and you know he, Gene Heidkamp. We've already talked about him earlier, but guess who was there Sunday last night scouting in person the uh, Providence Saint Mel um, DePaul prep game. Gene Heidkamp. Oh. He, I think a lot of coaches. You know, I don't want to. Well, they do play DePaul prep next week, don't they? Yeah, but I, I don't see. I mean, I'm out every night, 
and I used to see tons of high school coaches in almost every game I went to. I think a lot of people just go to the film now. You know, I think they're watching. There's like a handful of guys that I still see out in person, you know, watching them. That is true. That part is true about getting out in person. It's, I still see quite a few, but I mean, it's, it's definitely less than it was 10 years ago uh, with the video exchange and things that they have now. Yeah, and I don't think it's the same. I mean, I, I feel like when I watch a game in the Cube or online, that works for me if I've already seen that team in person before because I kind of know them. But if I haven't, then I find it tough to gauge size, speed, anything that would really matter to me, you know, other than what kind of offense they're running or whatever. So I wonder how big of an impact that kind of has because Gene Heidkamp, I see him pretty much more than everybody, anybody, I think. Um, you know who is the all-time scouter? Rich Keogh? Gordy, Gordy Kirkman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gordy Kirkman was everywhere. Yeah. Even even at the, the, the very end of his career after all those years. Yeah, Rich Kehoe and Mike Flaherty were the two I used to see the most. And shocker, they're two of the best coaches in the last 30 years. Um, yeah, and and Gordy wasn't bad either. Yeah, see, he was probably <laughs> out west more than I was. So yeah. we probably didn't overlap a lot. Um, I guess that's the end of the extent of my thoughts on Loyola Nutrier. Yeah, I mean, St. Viator up there in the north suburbs. I mean, Evanston did what they were supposed to do, which is win uh, a tournament that everybody expected them to win. You know, I know you saw, we we, we both saw Evanston uh, watch them play Conant myself. Uh, You saw them play Libertyville, I think. Um, Yeah, and I, I watched the Conant game on the Cube. Which was I, I was I just impressed with Evanston as far I I know they other than no gel they don't have a big time division although Lance Jones a sophomore was was yeah. re- really good and I, I like him I've got him highly highly ranked in that class but I just liked what they did defensively I I think that if they can if they can do that on a consistent basis uh, they're going to be just fine because. They they just have a a a enough of these players offensively. I know you questioned if they had enough offense. I I don't personally question that. I just think it's going to be very very balanced. I think Chris Hamill's going to average fourteen a game. I think Elijah Williams will get ten a game and Nogel seventeen eighteen a game. So I and I think Lance Jones gave him a spark. He had you know eleven or twelve points in that win over Conant. So I I have no concerns with Evanston now. Their schedule is going to, and it'll be interesting to see how that happens with even with your rankings. It just because they got a brutal schedule this year, they're going to lose some games. Uh, but I think they are going to be primed and ready when March rolls around. And if they're locked in defensively, they're going to be too, very tough to beat. Yeah, that watching that first half of Evanston Conant on the Cube. Wow, I mean defensively. Their, their size and athleticism, I guess not their size as much as their length and speed, really gave Conan just a nightmare of a time. They could not get a good look to save their lives. It, it That was a really impressive, especially early season performance. Uh, the game I saw, you know, against Liberty Libertyville, it looked like a lot of my worries because Eastern was not scoring in the first half, and so the team couldn't score. You know, that changed in the second half. You know, Hamill got hot. Lance Jones was really, really that kind of shot in the arm that this team needed that I didn't see last year. I think he's that more than the X factor. He, he's just going to be a really key player for them. So that eased a lot of my worries about Evanston seeing him. Um, but yeah, I, they were better than I thought they would be for sure. But Eastern still needs to score. I mean, he did. So they won, but they are still as dependent as I thought on him. 
for scoring, I think. And I was a big fan of Prospect going into the year, and I'm still a big fan. I think that team is is really good. I, I really do. They, they played and, Evanston better than Conan did. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they went 3-2, and two, lost to Evanston, and lost to Conan. Conan yeah. yeah. So I, I just think Prospect on the other side of it, you know, Conan is clearly the favorite. Uh, and the one side of the Minnesota River League, and I think Prospect is clearly the favorite on the other side. Yeah, Conan, I like that team. Conan, I think they're going to get a lot better. Uh, out of all the teams I saw this week, I think Conan is the one that's going to improve the most. They weren't quite there defensively, especially for a Tom McCormick team. And I think, you know, obviously they'll be working on that hardcore over the next few weeks. So they'll get a lot better at that. Offensively, I, I liked what I saw, but yeah, it was weird for for me to see a Conan team that wasn't quite as tough defensively as usual. So watch them with that. They're they're still in the rankings, you know, even though they got the loss for now. Um, moving on to Grant, underrated tournament when you really look at it. I mean, North Lawndale, Waukegan, and I and I had Grant ranked in the preseason sixty five. <laughs> I think sixty fifth actually. They're a, they're I, they're not going to crack your top twenty five, Mike, but. Well, they're, they're 0 and 4. A, <laughs> yeah. They they are a a a decent 0 and 4 basketball team. <laughs> yeah. And they gave North Lawndale everything they could handle on the opening night of the season. See that North. this is this is what I'm taking. I, do you know how many people raved to me about North Lawndale this weekend? I mean, the, the hip thing to do in high school basketball right now is to rave about North Lawndale. And I I want to pop that bubble a little bit. Yes, they had a nice weekend. But if you look at the teams they beat, aside from Boylan, and look at their records last year, Grant... Well, you don't think Waukegan's good? I think they are, but I also think they're prone to massive issues. Um, I heard a long-time Waukegan person told me that the first half against... Ooh, I forget which team it was. was maybe the best Waukegan half he'd ever seen. They played that well, but then they crumbled. You know, that's who Waukegan has been. But, I mean, I'm just saying... Beating Grant Carmel and Waukegan, who together didn't have probably 30 wins last year. Boylan? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that was a nice win. 78 to 70 over Boylan for sure. I'm just saying as down as, you know, how you started out, don't get too down on teams early. Also, don't get as high as everybody is on North Lawndale just yet. Pull back the reins a little bit. Um, well, they're, okay, Mike, they're preseason top 10 in mine and your rankings, right? I know, but I, I've heard, <laughs> what I heard yesterday about North Lawndale, people are acting like this is, you know... I don't know. Uh, clearly the best team in the state or something. I'm just saying pull back a bit on all the right. North Lawndale stuff is all, all I've got um, out of that tournament. But, yeah, Waukegan I think is the interesting thing to talk about as well. Obviously when things are going well for them, and, you know, I saw a little bit of that on the well when I, on the cube as well when I was bored with football. Um, there's a lot there, and there's a lot of talent. Kiefer on Ashlaw, and he knows it. You know, it's going to be some consistency, not having the big letdowns to let teams back in the game. But, you know, it's very early still with a young team. It's going to be fun Well, as you said, you said, Conant is a team that's going to get a lot better. I think Waukegan is going to get a lot better between now and, you know, by the time yeah. February rolls around, I think Waukegan is going to be really, really good. I, I just I saw a little bit of them in the offseason. I think that team is loaded with talent. And they are young, but they will get better. And I think we'll learn a lot about them, you know, going forward for sure. But um, – yeah, they'll, you know, they'll, I, they'll be at Wheeling, so I mean, they might, they'll be one of the favorites there. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, well, they can make a nice run. Too bad they weren't still at Pontiac. Yeah, maybe uh, get them back there in the future. Um, next up, oh boy, the Joliet West Thanksgiving tournament, which I was not able to go to, but 
these scores, if you just look at these scores, which is what a ranker has to do, you will have you would have no clue what to do. Um, right. It was just weird. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, Brother Rice is a good, solid basketball team. And they are what I thought they were, a good, solid basketball team that I think is a, really a super sleeper. And Lincoln Way East is one of the most improved teams in the Chicago area. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, I'm, what I'm saying is there's some balance there. Yeah, and it's it was just strange. And I'm looking at the Joliet West scores. They barely beat Rich South. They really barely beat Lincoln Way Central. And then Lincoln Way Central goes out and just destroys Crete Moni by 30. Well, the Crete. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Crete Moni destroyed Lincoln Way Central by 30. So I don't know what's going on. Then Joliet West came and really handled Brother Rice nicely, a game I was worried about after those two scores um, before that. And Crete lost to Brother Rice. Yeah, the whole thing was just a... Crete lost to Lincoln Way East. (laughs) Yeah, but then Crete goes... Yeah, so it was very obviously a balanced group. Joliet West came out of there as the winners. And I I think they... I'm not going to be too worried about the scores. It looks like they are letting Temple get dictated to them again, which is never a good sign for especially a top five team um, with all seniors. Hopefully they'll get that worked out because they got a big couple big tests, I guess, this weekend. Yeah. Anything else about the Julia West? Uh, yeah. All right. They got they got a Julia West got a big weekend ahead of them. Though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big weird That's, weekend. Yeah. Sleeper game in their yeah. conference debut at Manuka. No one has and, ever played Manuka and North Lawndale in back to back days. <laughs> <laughs> and then go to play North Lawndale yeah. on Saturday. So that's a really interesting weekend for uh, we'll, Nick to Forty's boys. We'll talk about that in a bit. Onwards to Hoops for Healing, is it still called? Uh, Oswego Neighborhood yeah, North. Yeah, Oswego Neighborhood North. Yeah, this is one of the losses i was over there uh one of the days this is one loss that stood out to me and that was oswego east beating naperville north just because of the experience and veteran play that naperville north has uh as as well as what naperville north came out and did to like west aurora i think they beat them by 20 uh so i mean that was one shocking score to me naperville north losing to oswego east uh then naperville north came back and beat their rivals naperville central in the in the tournament championship game but that that was one score that that opened my eyes maybe more you know than any of them oh yeah that was the number one shocking score to me of the whole week for sure i was did not see that coming naperville north seemed like a team you know they really lost nothing basically they should have been ready to roll um the other thing i took i didn't see any of this tournament on the internet or any way any way whatsoever the West Aurora scores overall, I thought were promising, um, except for the Naperville North game, of course. Made it seem like maybe they'll be an interesting team to watch this year, um, and we'll see with Naperville North. You know, it's early; everybody gets to drop an egg, right? Um, let's let's get into this preview. Big weekend starting out Friday at the Chicago League Classic. We've got Loyola Notre Dame tipping it off at six, then Curie East St. Louis and Oak Park against Fenwick. Late at night, at 9 o'clock, the Oak Park uh, battle. Yeah, I think this is a really fun night of basketball. You got a rivalry game in Oak Park and Fenwick. Oak Park, come on, it's time to get Fenwick. You've lost, I believe, four in a row to Fenwick. I think 2011 was the last Oak Park win. You got a Fenwick team. You're you're good, Oak Park. You are. You had a 4-0 start, but this is when you got to get them. You can't lose with Fenwick on Saturday or Friday night. Fenwick is just getting back together. 
Jacob Teller, the football guy, and so forth. So this is your time, Oak Park, to get this win. And I, I think that's going to be a fun one. I think the best game of the entire event, in my mind, or the one I'm look, looking forward to the most, is Curie East St. Louis. And just because I think it's the best team and the best player in the state playing against each other. And yeah, then, East St. Louis lost to Champaign Central over the week um, in a good game. A lot of the Central Illinois people were there, so they're not unbeaten. But, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. And Lyle Notre Dame is just a fun North Suburban game that, that kicks off the event. Yeah. Um, Oak Park, I, I guess I didn't mention, Deshaun Enoch, their sophomore um, kind of small point guard. Wow, I was really impressed with him in the Rich East he's game. Tal- yeah, he's talented. Yeah, he, played, he, he was playing very well near the end of the year as well. But, yeah, he was fun to watch. They had, had another sophomore that played well, name escaping me, like a 6'6 soft that played well. well. And Oak Park is a team that has a nice blend of experience in some a couple of seniors that have been around and produced and then you got these this influx of really good young talent so i we'll see i mean i i just think this i mean there's a team oak park that all the different types of teams you include in your top 25 and i think i did three or four different top 25s and they were probably in two or three of them and then my final one they were 30 but you know, it's a top 25 caliber on paper. I mean, there's no question about that. So I, I think, but I do think this is, not that it's a must win, but I mean, it's time that they get Fenwick. Saturday, I'm not going to go through all this. There's too many games. We're looking at the um, or debut for the season at 1030 in the morning against the United State team. Our first local look at Uplift next against the United State team. Then we got Uhi against Hyde Park. Joliet West against North Lawndale. Evanston plays an out-of-state team. Simeon plays an out-of-state team. And then Kenwood against Whitney Young ends it at 9. Um, I guess I like your boys playing North, the mighty North Lawn. I like yeah, that one. Me too. That's going to be a good yeah, one. That's got to be uh, a, Oh, boy. And those either are going out to it. The team Evanston's playing has legitimately probably 12 Division One players. And that's not a lie. And we're talking six eight, six eight, six nine, six seven. It, it Montverde, Montverde it, they are loaded. And Evanston, they won't play anybody with more talent all year long. And what I find interesting in this event is the the well, the two schools that basically put the thing on, Simeon and, and Young. It's that's their first games, and they always have that tough first. I, I would never want to play that kind of a game is my first game. So you look at like a young Kenwood Mike game in that finale. Kenwood's got four games already played going against this Whitney Young team that has not yet, you know, hasn't played a game yet. So th- that was always interesting to me how that kind of thing plays out. Yeah, a guy, a Kenwood that really popped on my radar this week. I don't know if you've seen him. I guess he's a junior, RJ McGee. Had a yeah. very nice week for them. Seems like he's going to be a real key part of that team. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a good looking, you know, two three guy, six two six three. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's one of the top twenty five, top thirty prospects in that class. All right, yeah, yeah, I had not heard his name. Um, Uhi, who I did see over the week, boy, I've been waiting to see. Uh, what is it Jamil Alusa for a while and did not have a good game against no. Paul Prep at all. I'm not. Too familiar with Hyde Park. I know that I think they lost a lot of guys. I think a lot of guys transferred after um, Antoine Samuels left as coach. They got the big fella Cameron inside, 6'8", 260, Anthony Cameron. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I 
U high as a team to keep an eye on. I think they came out a little surprisingly. I don't know. They two and two. I can't remember. Yeah, it's in here. It's yeah. They they better. They must have played better than what I saw because yeah. You uh, DePaul Prep did not play well and they won that game three and two. Um, U high lost to Bennett and to DePaul. They beat New Trier um, by six. So yeah, they must have played better in that game. Um, Anything else? Uh, Simeon opens as well. It'll be fun to see them. I liked it when Simeon and Young played one another in this. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do. I I think they play each other in December. Yeah. Mid to late December, so but we'll see that. The other thing I wanted to touch on after they play on Friday in the Chicago Elite Classic, Curie's going to load up onto the bus, I assume, in the morning and make what is a horrible drive <laughs> to Marshall County, Kentucky. I've made that before, and then when they get off the bus, they're going to have to play Belleville Altoff. <laughs> so bad weekend for them for sure. Well, tough weekend. We'll see how it goes. That's going to be a real challenge. I mean, Belleville Altoff would be a challenge. Any way you look at it, but after playing East St. Louis, going to sleep, and then getting on a bus for six or seven hours, it might take a bus longer. That's going to be a really challenging matchup. Uh, just Jordan Goodwin and his team. Yeah, getting those two south. You know, the other thing is though they're the defending state champs, and these teams, Altoff would love a. You're talking about the three A and the four A. Yeah. State champs from a year ago, so you better believe the three A school. Wants a, wants a shot at Curie, which is number one in, in the state right now. So it should be a fun week. And we, we're going to know next week when we're doing this on Monday, we're going to know about 17 times as much about uh, the local True. area as we do right now. Just a bit of a tease that Thanksgiving week. We see a lot of stuff. And a lot of the good public league teams don't start. So we will have probably a longer, um, probably some disagreements next week, I think. It should be a lot of fun to see how all these teams turn out. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.